welcome to episode 594 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And tonight, it's a Josh solo episode. Richard had some things come up tonight, and we're recording this on Wednesday instead of our normal Tuesday because I had stuff going on yesterday. So when it's just me, it tends to be a shorter episode. We also tend to have we also have less news this week. So going to be a fairly short episode for two reasons, but actually three, because we also don't have listener feedback to read tonight. So if you'd like to leave uh, feedback for a future show. That can be questions that you have about any of the news that we talk about, any of the topics that we discuss, or just questions about your digital life in general, about how you're watching movies and shows, how you're listening to music, and how you're playing games. You can email us at entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com. So, we're going to jump straight into the video news. And perhaps the biggest video news story of the week is that the NFL finally launched their own streaming service. And maybe I shouldn't say finally. I, I think that in some ways we expected this to be coming for a long time because every major content producer seems to be producing their own streaming service. But the NFL is a special beast, right? They, they've they had their own NFL Sunday ticket service for so long, so, so long as a paid add-on subscription to cable packages. This is called NFL Plus, and there are actually two different tiers here, NFL Plus and NFL Premium. Like, I think we kind of have to throw in the obligatory joke that NFL didn't have their own video service until they came up with a name and gave it a plus at the end. Like this is actually getting kind of tiring that all of these services just have a plus at the end of their name, but whatever. So there are two tiers. NFL plus is the base tier. It gets you live local and primetime games. You get live out of market preseason games and you get live game audio and you can choose between the home, the away and the national broadcast audio, if it's a nationally broadcasted game, for every game of the season. Plus, they have an NFL library uh, that's a bunch of on-demand programming. And all of that, that content is ad-free. The The library of, of on-demand stuff is ad-free. The, the, the live games, those are not going to be ad-free. The thing that surprises me the most about this is that you are getting local games. For a lot of people, that's what they want. They want to be able to stream their local games. Maybe they don't have cable, maybe just because of the cost, and maybe they don't have a good way of watching it over the air. So, you know, that that could be lots of reasons. Maybe you just live in an area where an antenna isn't going to work for you. Maybe there's lots of mountains, lots of trees, who knows? Could be reasons for that. If you are out of market, you still are in luck here. So you can watch preseason out of market games, but not regular season games. So if you are a Cleveland Browns fan and you live in Arizona, well, 
You can only watch the preseason games. So kind of weird. This is kind of the opposite of what we normally see from, from these types of, of services. The NHL streaming package, for example, if you want to watch your local market team, you can't watch it on the streaming service because they're blacked out because of local TV deals that the leagues have. So I'm really surprised by that. The the NFL plus this base tier is going to cost you $4.99 a month, which doesn't seem bad. Uh, and you get a pretty nice discount if you sign up for a year. It's $39.99 for a year. And maybe that discount is so nice because, frankly, you probably only want this during the regular season because I don't think you're going to be able to watch playoff games. And even if it did include playoff games, that's only one more month. So you're looking at September through January tops. I don't really see any reason to pay for this unless that library of on-demand programming is so spectacular. I don't see any reason for you to pay for this between the months of February and at least July. Now, maybe in August because that's when the preseason starts, but Outside of that, like just pay the five bucks a month. I don't know. And then NFL premium, NFL, sorry, NFL plus premium is the the next tier up. You get all of the same features of the NFL plus base tier. Plus they include full game replays, ad free, condensed game replays, ad free, and coaches film, including a series called All 22, which is also ad-free. And that service is twice the cost at $9.99 a month or $79.99 per year. Now, this is basically the the service that used to be called NFL Game Pass. That's the the one that I was describing at the top of the story. So here's the rub with all of this. You can't watch this on a TV. This only works on mobile and tablet devices. And that's probably how they were able to arrange for this to include local games because your local TV affiliate doesn't have to feel like they're competing with this as a way for you to watch the big game on your big screen. So are you interested? Do you want to pay five bucks a month to watch your local broadcast on a phone or on a tablet? PC isn't even listed here. Are there ways that you could hook your phone up to your TV? Maybe, but that seems more complicated than what most people would be willing to do. Our other, well, our next video story of the week, and this is actual news, the other one is just a story, is uh, a new update to the Chromecast with Google TV. So this is the little dongle that Google released a year and a half ago. Now in the pandemic time period i've lost track of time but the the chromecast dongle that is the the main device that people use for google tv not android tv but google tv has received a new feature it can now be used to watch live video feeds from nest cameras and we're not going to go through which nest cameras it supports it seems like it's just about all of them maybe it's all of them but it's definitely a bunch of them 
If you want to know for sure, because maybe you've got an older device that you're concerned about, uh, click the link in the show notes over at the digitalmediazone.com and it will tell you every single device that is supported. But this does include uh, regular cams. It includes the Nest doorbell cameras. And it's a nice feature because if someone rings your doorbell and you're watching TV using your Chromecast with, with Google TV, you can just use the voice remote and say, show me the front door camera. And it'll immediately start showing you the live video feed from your front door camera. And that's a really, really nice feature to have. And since it supports most, if not all Nest cameras, you can use this to check in on probably all of your Nest cameras. So kind of a, a, a cross between a, a video story here and a home automation story that that maybe makes a little bit more sense in the Home On podcast uh, over at our website that, that Richard host. But I, I think there's a lot of a lot of good use cases here. If you've got the Chromecast with Google TV already and you're fully entrenched in that Google ecosystem, this is a nice feature to know that you can now do on on your Chromecast. I, I If I had Nest cameras, I would probably use this fairly regularly. Unfortunately, I have Wise cameras because they're dirt cheap and well, you get what you pay for with Wise cameras and I've never ever gotten any of them to work with any of my Google uh, home screens or my Nvidia shield. It's kind of a pain, but that's life when you choose $20 cameras instead of $100 cameras. That's life, I guess. All right. Our last video story is more of an update. So last week we reported about a problem with connected hard drives interfering with streaming services on Nvidia shield. I found this problem on my own when I went to watch a movie with my family the previous Friday night and ended up finding a solution that just involved uh, safely ejecting my external hard drive from my NVIDIA Shield. And then I was able to reconnect it and everything just worked. We posted a YouTube video for it and a lot of people have found that video helpful. I've really appreciated the comments to that on on the video. If you haven't checked it out yet, please click the link in the show notes, go check it out. Give the the video a like, click the subscribe button so that you uh, get notified of all of our YouTube videos, including uh, the video version of this podcast is up there too. But anyway, I thought that maybe this might've fixed the problem. It turns out it's much more of a temporary band-aid than I had expected because wouldn't you know it two nights ago, my wife calls up to me. I was in my office at the time. She was trying to watch Netflix and said, it's not working again. And I ran downstairs, did the same exact thing. And Netflix started working this time around. I just left my hard drive unplugged. We hardly use our Plex server. So that's okay. We, we can make do for a little while longer while we wait for NVIDIA to get this problem fixed and release that update because this this is going to get really annoying for a lot of people if they don't fix this soon. But but there it is. There's, there's a quick fix. If you're seeing this on your NVIDIA Shield TV where you can't watch things like Netflix or Disney Plus and, and other streaming services and you have an external hard drive plugged in, this might be the reason. So go and check out that YouTube video to see the details 
on how to actually fix it. Off to a couple of audio stories this week. So I don't, I don't necessarily want to call this an I told you so sort of moment, but Spotify, I told you so. You see, back all the way in 2019, Spotify announced a device called CarThing. And we were a little bit skeptical, a little bit reluctant to fully understand what the product was, but decided to wait until it actually launched to make our real judgment about it. And then it did launch almost two years later. <laughs> it launched last fall. And it's it's a device that is actually even a little bit difficult to explain, but I'll try again. It's a device that connects to your phone and to your car stereo and allows your phone to run Spotify. So it's connected to Spotify through the internet on your phone and then routes that audio through your car stereo. So this is really useful for older cars that don't have Android Auto or Apple CarPlay or just a built-in Spotify app, you know, so lots lots of older cars fit that demographic. And then the device itself has a screen on it that shows you what you're playing. It has uh, buttons on, on the top that you can customize to say, you know, when I press this button, always play this specific playlist. I, I, I just always thought that this device had a pretty limited reach when, you know, it is, as long as you can get your phone connected to your car stereo, I don't really see the need for this. But Spotify really wanted people to want this so much so, and, and I, they've never said this, but I think they killed the, the, the version of, of their own mobile app that is specifically tailored for use in cars so that people would buy this. I think that's why they got rid of it. That's what I've always thought. They've never said that, of course, but I think that that's what they were doing. Well, it turns out people didn't want this. At least that's probably the main reason for today's news, which is Spotify is killing car thing. It's only been available for seven or eight months and it's gone. Spotify is blaming the supply chain and low demand. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that the low demand is the bigger reason that they're killing it and not supply chain issues because you could still buy one if you want. In fact, they're available right now, heavily discounted. They're now available at 50 bucks instead of the original $90 MSRP uh, for this device when it launched last December. If you have one, don't worry. It's still going to keep working. If you want to buy one, like it sounds interesting to you and you've missed the previous episodes where we've talked about this, you can go and get one and it will continue to work. They say that they're going to continue to support it. They didn't say how long, but they're not Google, so they're not likely to kill it off next week or anything like that. So sorry, goodbye, Spotify car thing. We hardly knew you. And frankly, we didn't want to know you in the first place. All right, another audio story. This one from Google so a little bit of, of background here. Back in 2020, Google added a feature to Android called FastPair. And FastPair was a feature 
that enabled you to do one tap pairing of Bluetooth audio devices, like headphones typically, or speakers with your Android phone. And then when you did that using FastPair, it would then store all of the information uh, about that connection in your Google account so that you could immediately connect that same device to other devices. Like if you get a new phone or you get a tablet or something like that, that's great. However, there's still problems, right? If you have an Android phone and an Android tablet and you have one pair of Bluetooth headphones, sharing those headphones between the two devices can be a giant pain. If they're an older or cheap pair of Bluetooth headphones, then to do that, you have to disconnect the headphones from one device, repair them to the other device every time you want to switch. It's awful. Bluetooth attempted to fix this a few years ago by rolling out a feature called Multipoint. It's something that is not advertised very often on headphones, but I think is really important because of this use case. And with Multipoint, if if your headphones support it, that means that they can actually be paired to two devices at once. So it could be a phone and a tablet. It could be a phone and a computer. Lots of options there. But those are the, the most common scenarios. The problem is that if you have both of those devices on, a lot of times your headphones get confused about what they should be connected to for what, and you just end up still needing to manually connect things and switch things around, and it's kind of a pain. What Google is rolling out here is functionality built on top of their fast pair technology, where it will just use a lot more intelligence when it comes to the switching. So let's say you're watching a movie or video on your Android tablet and you receive a phone call. The headphones will automatically switch to the phone if you decide to answer the phone. If you're watching a movie on your tablet and your phone gets a notification, it won't automatically take the audio away from your movie because you probably don't care that much about the sound from a notification. However, maybe you do care. And that's where the customization features of Android come into play here. Because in in quick scenarios where you just briefly want to switch, there will be an option in the notification shade. And all of this will be even further customizable through other Bluetooth settings. So this is going to be really nice. Now, I kind of wish Richard was here for this story because I think what we're describing here is essentially the experience you get if you have AirPods and an iPhone and an iPad or a MacBook. We just don't have that connected of an ecosystem on the Android and PC side typically. And you'll notice I didn't include PC in this because this is a an Android feature. So I, I will be curious to see if Google somehow partners with Microsoft to bring this to Windows because there are a lot of people out there with Android phones and Windows PCs. In fact, I'm sure that there are far more people out there who have Android phones and Windows PCs than people who have Android phones and Android tablets because let's face it, the Android tablet ecosystem still isn't very good. In fact, a lot of people, myself included, have Android phones and iPads. And 
this functionality doesn't help me out either. So maybe this only helps a certain subset of people, but Google is saying that they're interested in tablets again, and they're actually working on a new tablet. So we'll see. Maybe Google will find a way to rejuvenate the Android tablet ecosystem, and then this feature will potentially be a lot more helpful for a lot more people. But this is this feature is launching now if you are purchasing the brand new Pixel Buds Pro headphones. Those are $199. They are effectively the comparison to Apple's AirPods Pro. These are uh, truly wireless earbuds with active noise cancellation and things like that, uh, but just made from Google instead of Apple. They are. Th- this feature will also work on some Sony and JBL headphones, but the post from Google didn't even actually call out which ones. And then it will eventually support other headphones in the future. So while I think that the initial reach for this feature, like in in terms of number of people who will be able to use it, is fairly small. It's a much needed uh, piece of functionality that that we need to see rolled out across more devices. And frankly, I I wish, I kind of wish there was a way that the Bluetooth standard could just handle this and make it work across everything. So that for people like me who have an Android phone and an iPad, and a Windows PC could make this work across everything. But I don't think that's going to happen because it does require software on on all of those devices for this to work well. So it probably won't happen, and that's why this experience is probably just always going to be better in the Apple ecosystem where they control everything. All right, that's it for audio news. One quick gaming story this week. And that is a small feature coming to the Xbox Series X and Series S. So back in March, they updated the Xbox to make it so that you could put your Xbox in a a mode called energy saver mode. And what this mode does is it puts the Xbox into a very deep sleep so that it uses a fraction of the amount of electricity than it does in the sleep mode that most people had been using at that time. And the the change that they made in March that actually got some people to start using this is that they made it so that even though it's in this super deep sleep mode, it could still automatically download system and game updates while it was sleeping. Because no one wants to turn on their Xbox and find out that there's a 30 gig update to their game that they really want to play right now. Because even if you have crazy fast internet, that's going to take a while to download. So it sounded like a great new feature. A lot of people must have enabled it. I tried it out. Some of my friends tried it out. I had issues and I've turned it back off. Maybe I should try it again for the sake of the planet and for the sake of testing. But there was one other downside to switching to energy saver mode. And that is because it's in an even state, an even deeper state of sleep, it takes a little while to turn on. In the regular sleep mode that people use, it's basically instantaneous. 
Well, in in the energy saver mode, it does need to boot up a little bit and, you know, put stuff back into memory and all of that. And so it takes a little while. It's not that long, but it's a little while. I don't have exact timings here for you because, like I said, I don't have mine set up to do that anymore. But they found a way to make this boot up even faster. And you think, wow, that must have been a hard computer science problem. I wonder how they did it. The answer is ridiculous. Part of that boot up process is, of course, no one wants to just look at a blank screen, right? While you're, while you're waiting for this thing to boot up. So there's a cool animation while you're waiting for it to boot up. That animation is nine seconds long. Seems fitting. Maybe it takes nine seconds for it to do most of the work. Apparently it doesn't. All they did here is shorten that animation in half. So now it's about four and a half seconds shorter to boot your Xbox Series X from energy saver mode, all because they changed a boot up animation. Really, guys? Really? I I mean, I'll take it, but it's just, it just seems kind of dumb. Like, why did you make the animation so much longer than the actual process of booting up? Doesn't make any sense. So it's good to see it's available on the insider ring right now, so I, I wouldn't be able to do a, a, a real speed comparison anyway because I do not have my Xbox Series X in one of the insider rings. But there you go. That should be coming to Xbox Series X and S uh, in general availability within the next month or so, most likely. All right, well, that's it for our news this week. Uh, one thing we like to do during this part of the show is just remind people if you want to help us if if you want to support the show there's you know we we don't ask you to to send us money we don't ask you to listen to ads we don't even ask you to leave reviews on things like apple podcasts and stuff you can and we appreciate them but they don't actually help that much what helps more than anything is sharing the show with a friend the best way to grow an audience for a podcast like this is word of mouth so if you know of somebody else who is would find this type of content useful, let them know about Entertainment 2.0, share it on the socials. That's something that we would really, really appreciate. All right, now we like to end the show by talking about what is going on in our entertainment centers. Well, almost always, Richard's discussion here is a lot longer than mine, and it definitely would have been the case this week because I had an incredibly busy week and an incredibly busy weekend. I wasn't home much. And that means that I wasn't around to watch or listen or play much of anything. So the only thing that I did in my entertainment center over this last week is play a little bit of NHL 22 on my Xbox. And that's it. And I know that's super boring because I talk about that every week. Sorry, haven't played anything else. That will change for next week. At the very least, I'm going to be checking out Multiverses, a new game uh, from Warner Brothers. It's essentially Super Smash Brothers, uh, you know, a, a four-player beat-em-up fighting game, but with Warner Brothers characters like Batman and Wonder Woman and uh, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo and the Tasmanian Devil and, and stuff like that. So I'm excited to try that out, and I will report back on that next week. There's some other games that I've got my eye on too, 
but I probably won't get into too many of them because I'm also going to be camping this weekend. It's the summer. That's what you do. You don't spend nearly as much time at home in the summer. So that's what's going on in my entertainment center. So if you would like to get a hold of us, you can do it in a bunch of different ways. We're on Twitter. I'm at Josh Pollard. Richard, even though he's not here tonight, his Twitter handle is Richard Gunther. And the website's is DigiMediaZone. All of that information and all of the rest of it, because that's only some of it, is available up at our website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com. There you're going to find show notes for the show with links to everything that I talked about during this episode, including links to all of the different Nest cameras that are supported with the Chromecast with Google TV integration now and everything else that we discussed. The other thing that you'll find while you're there over at the Digital Media Zone is Richard's other show, Home On, the show that covers uh, DIY home automation space. So if you're into smart home technology, you have to listen to Home On. It's a fantastic show. And then also come back and join us live. We record this show Almost every time we do it, we record it live using Twitch. You can get there right on our website. It's normally Tuesdays or Wednesday nights around 8.30 p.m. Eastern. If you follow us on Twitter, we always tweet about when the show will be live. If you just go to the Twitch page, you can also subscribe there and you'll get notified as soon as we go live there also. But that's going to do it for episode 594 I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios.